This is Cutthroat American High School Politics. I'm Esteban Clark Brendel. Over the next 20 minutes, you'll hear a conversation between me and Hillary Skolton, the Democratic candidate for Michigan's 3rd Congressional District. In our conversation, we discuss why she chose to run, her views and opinions on immigration and healthcare, and the legacy of the 3rd District. This is one of two conversations I will have regarding the election for the 3rd District seat. The next will be dropped tomorrow, and it will be with Peter Meyer, her Republican competitor. Uh, f- first off, I just, you know, you probably get this question a lot, um, but this is your first run for political office. This is um, a very, very important office as well that you're running for. Why run now and why this office? Yeah, the great questions. And I just want to say to Esteban, thank you so much for, for having me on this uh, podcast. Thanks to all who make uh, cutthroat American high school politics possible. And, and thanks to the students who listen in and engage. Uh, such an important part of our democratic process. So, you know, as a, a woman, a mother, a young-ish person, uh, may seem not young to uh, your high school audience, but I'm 38, um, a public interest lawyer and a person of deep faith. Everything that I care about is on the line in 2020, from uh, environmental justice to racial justice to economic justice. I didn't want to look back on this moment and realize that I didn't do everything I possibly could to improve the lives of those in my community. You talked a little bit about economic justice, and a lot of um, people are going bankrupt, especially now in a pandemic, because the prices of healthcare are so high. Now, you on your campaign website have said that you support and will defend the ACA, the Affordable Care Act. Many people, including your opponent, Peter Meyer, believe that the ACA and government overreach uh, are one of, if not the main contributors to healthcare uh, prices skyrocketing. What do you say to that argument? I I completely disagree. You know, I I think that we have seen uh, firsthand how left unchecked insurance companies have exploited and taken advantage of the American people. The Affordable Care Act, uh, I'll be the first to admit, uh, President Obama and his his administration actually were the first to admit that it's not perfect. Uh, It was a starting place, a stepping stone uh, to work on the issues of universal access and affordability. Um, Those are things that I absolutely want to champion. Now, um, the things that the Affordable Care Act did were putting caps on out-of-pocket expenses, protecting healthcare coverage for people with pre-existing conditions and allowing individuals, young people, to remain on their parents' insurance protected until the age of 26. Now, I don't believe that the government can solve all of our problems, but I do believe that it has a critical role to play in baseline protections, uh, in, in providing a social safety net and making sure that unscrupulous insurance companies can't take advantage of people, especially during their most vulnerable times. Now, you know, 
I, I don't like to play partisan games, but when it comes to healthcare, we have seen one party work tirelessly to increase and expand access. And another party work tirelessly to try and repeal the only law that protects people with pre-existing conditions. And a lot of Republicans will say, you know, well, of course we want to protect people with pre-existing conditions, but they don't have a plan for how to do it. And they've run headlong to the Supreme Court to try to repeal the only law that will protect people, that is protecting people, with pre-existing conditions. And, you know, I, I think that is such a crucial thing for voters to listen to and understand because a lot of Republicans will say, of course we want to protect people with pre-existing conditions, but how are they going to do it? They're, they're playing dangerous games with the only law that, that does protect people. And throughout the course of history, we've had to protect people when others have tried to take advantage of them. Um, and healthcare is, is no different. So working to protect the Affordable Care Act, expand on the gains and improve on it, making it more affordable and increasing access are some of my top priorities in Congress. And it's, uh, it is interesting that you bring up the fact um, that Republicans seemingly have no plan. When I speak to Mr. Meyer tomorrow, which is when we've scheduled our meeting, I do plan to ask him about what he plans to do with repeal and replace. Yeah. Um, you covered it a little bit in the end of your answer, but if elected, what what do you propose to bring forth, whether it's uh, adding to the ACA or yeah. developing a whole new plan? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the Affordable Care Act was the plan. You know, there are core fundamental issues that we know are problematic when it comes to the administration of healthcare. One, you know, it's expensive to cover sick people, right? It just costs more. So we have to make sure that those folks aren't excluded and put into separate pots um, that rise up the, the costs just for them. Um, you know, so getting to a place of universal coverage to average out those costs is absolutely key. I think that we need to uncouple health insurance from employment. You know, we here in Michigan know how uh, tumultuous our economy can be. And individuals who experience a plant closing or a sudden downturn, a recession, and lose their job should not also be faced with the disastrous uh, impact of uh, also losing their health care at, at such a vulnerable time. So we need an option for individuals that's not tied to their employment. Um, I propose, you know, allowing individuals to buy into a public option that's created by or sponsored by, uh, doesn't necessarily have to be run by, uh, the, the government. Um, I think that that creates a huge incentive for competition in the private sector as well. Um, you know, and, and this is, again, the, I don't support a Medicare for all plan, doing away entirely with the private insurance uh, industry. I think that there is a healthy place uh, for competition, for choices, for options. Um, but, you know, the Affordable Care Act is uh, one that is making sure individuals have those, those options and, and protecting individuals. And without passing a law to protect those individuals, there's no assurance that private insurance companies won't just, you know, only be beholden to a, a base profit, 
there's no incentive for protecting the sickest of the sick. It costs money, um, you know, and, and that is why we need, you know, our elected officials to hold our uh, communities accountable. I, I could talk about healthcare for hours. Our time is running a little short here. So I want to move to immigration, which is another topic that you and Mr. Meyer have spoken a lot about on the campaign trail. And that's probably the truth for most politicians running. Now, you have stated in um, the Michigan League for Women Voters nonpartisan voter guide that the immigration system is dysfunctional and that you know how to fix it. Or maybe that's from your campaign website, I believe. Um, yeah. Sorry. I forgot to cite no sources here. No problem. Um, what specifics, in your opinion, should our immigration system have in order to make it safer, more secure, but also more open to immigration? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's such a great question. You know, I have uh, well over 15 years of experience working uh, on immigration issues, both at uh, the enforcement level. I worked at the Department of Justice uh, enforcing our nation's laws, including our immigration laws, and also back here in our community, advocating for and, and representing uh, individuals when uh, they came uh, under the, the thumb of policies that sought to harm uh, this community, you know, a policy by the Trump administration uh, seeking to return uh, Iraqi Christians uh, back to a place where they would be persecuted, who sought refuge here in this country. And I'm currently being attacked for it, uh, you know, by my opponent and his Republican allies. Uh, I have never been prouder in my life of the work that I've done, you know, standing alongside uh, immigrants in our country. It's such a, a founding uh, identity to our country. When it comes to uh, impacting the, the work that uh, we need to do here in the United States, I believe we need comprehensive immigration reform to get our country back on track. Um, we need to address the failure of this country to uh, help our dreamers here, you know, who have uh, gone through our school system and are, you know, left without an option. I believe in creating a pathway to citizenship for individuals who pass a background check. I think the way we get our immigration system back on track is by creating more, not less, legal pathways to immigration. We also have to secure our border. Uh, you know, again, I worked uh, in uh, enforcement. Our border is not safe or secure. You know, thousands of people die every year trying to cross that border. That's not safe for anyone. You know, we, we do have trafficking uh, happening at our southern border. That's not safe or, or secure. Um, but, you know, we know that a wall is an ineffective way to, to do that, uh, especially one across the board. Um, when we look at, uh, you know, the the future facing problem, we need to consider ourselves world players when it comes to immigration. Increasingly, uh, you know, our economy, our, you know, environmental issues, our trade issues are, are uh, requiring us to be global citizens. We need an immigration policy that reflects uh, 21st century participation uh, in, in the world. I think that also means partnering with countries for whom we receive a lot of immigrants each year and sending aid uh, through non-governmental organizations. We've seen this as a process uh, that works, uh, has, has great success. 
So those are sort of the three prongs of uh, the, the platform that I would, you know, rely on. Um, and, and for those of, uh, you know, your listeners who, who may, you know, be of the, the Republican strain or more conservative when it comes to immigration, uh, I love telling people that, you know, those three prongs make up essentially, you know, the, the George Bush Policy Institute's approach to immigration uh, as well. Immigration used to be such a Republican-led issue, but under, you know, this current administration, um, you know, we're really seeing a, a backlash against immigrants and common sense immigration policy. And it's, it's truly uh, disastrous from both a humanitarian and an economic standpoint. Okay, and um, now we've covered a lot of topics that are important to you. We, um, I don't know if we'll be able to get to everything here because I do want to talk about the seat itself because Michigan's third congressional district is an important seat to hold in the House. You, yeah. um, if elected, you will represent over 700,000 people, and those yeah. are people who live in big cities to small farms. Exactly. Uh, and currently, it's held by Justin Amash. Yeah. Justin Amash was elected in 2010. He has chosen not to run for re-election, um, which allows us to kind of wrap a nice little bow on his entire term, and we can look at it as one thing. Of his term and his time in office and his accomplishments, do you believe he served the people of the 3rd District well? And do you believe, uh, and can you name one of his accomplishments that you agree with the most? So, you know, I, I think Congressman Amash has done, uh, you know, a, a tremendous job leading a district forward that has been in a transition from a more conservative leaning district to one that is uh, clearly, you know, the, the polls and the momentum behind our campaign show, you know, ready to make change, ready to make history by electing the first Democrat in almost half a century, uh, the first woman to represent this district and, you know, someone who has uh, the reputation of being a champion for the people. You know, I, I certainly haven't always agreed with Congressman Amash on a lot of his policy positions from, from healthcare to the environment, but Congressman Amash has stood up for civil rights and civil liberties. You know, he's, he comes from an immigrant family himself and has stood up uh, for, for immigrants' rights as well. I think one of the things I hope to continue uh, that Congressman Amash has done uh, is he made himself very available to his constituents and he approached uh, his office with um, a deep respect for the need to be transparent, to explain his votes, to make himself available through town halls. I don't expect that I would, um, you know, ever be in a place uh, where I would be able to appease everyone in this district at all times. But I hope to be able to explain why I voted a certain way, make myself available to hear my constituents' concerns, and learn, you know, that how I can, how I can continue to better represent uh, all people of this district through my votes and my voice in Congress. I think that's something that Congressman uh, Amash did, uh, and, and I hope to continue. Um, and so you actually did kind of uh, talk about this a little bit more. I want to flesh it out a little bit, and this will be our final question. Mm -hmm. um, there has not been a Democrat representing this district since 1992 when Howard Wolpe retired to run for governor. 
uh, why do you think your campaign is the campaign to overturn this traditionally red district and make it blue? So, you know, it's it's interesting. So the geographic regions have changed uh, in in this district for sure. And while, you know, Howard won't be, you know, represented what was historically the, the third, the, you know, the number three, um, this district, which encompasses the city of Grand Rapids, um, has actually not been represented by a Democrat until uh, Gerald Ford vacated the seat and Dick Vanderveen took his place. Uh, and, and that was, you know, the last time that a Democrat has represented the region that encompasses the city of Grand Rapids, which is, you know, almost 49% of our district. So it's, it's quite remarkable, actually. It's, it's almost been, you know, uh, half a century that we've, that we've actually had Democratic representation. Um, in Congress uh, for, for the city of Grand Rapids and, and never been represented by a woman. But I think, you know, the district is changing. And I think that we're seeing here in particular, you know, a, a district that um, feels that the current direction of the country under, under this Republican leadership, not just the president, but all the way up and down, um, is, is something that, you know, they're tired of. It's a, you know, it's a party that, um, has largely led on division, fear-mongering. Um, there hasn't been a plan to move the country forward. We hear it all the time, you know, from people. They say, I didn't leave the Republican Party. The Republican Party left me. Um, and I, I think that they see in me a leader who is truly ready and able to represent West Michigan values, you know, even if uh, she's got a, a D in front of her name you know, in the spirit of service, unity. You know, I'm so proud to be represented by our, our former Congress, or endorsed by uh, a former Congressman, uh, Paul Henry's widow, uh, who has, you know, thrown her name, uh, though they were a very prominent Republican family, you know, thrown her name behind me because she sees that I truly represent um, the type of justice-oriented, service-oriented leadership that folks in this district uh, have longed for. And, you know, we continue to see, you know, from Republicans on the other side, just a, you know, a real spirit of division and divisiveness, you know, the attacks that, again, you know, they're running against me for the service that I've committed to this community for standing alongside people um, when they've suffered. And I think folks are ready for the type of change that I'm able to bring. You know, we are truly building something new here in West Michigan, a new political home for people on the right and the left, for uh, young and old, for, for folks who are ready to put their differences aside and uh, come together to build a better and brighter West Michigan for all. Hillary Scolton, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Thank you for presenting your platform and your campaign. Uh, best of luck to you on November 3rd. Esteban, thanks so much for having me and uh, for, for your commitment to uh, getting uh, politics into the, to the hands of young people. Participation is so important. Uh, if folks are interested, they can learn more and get involved at hillarysculton.com. Cutthroat American High School Politics is an independent podcast, so we don't get any money. So please listen. I want to thank Thomas Peterson and Alex Lawton for allowing me to skip class to record this podcast. Uh, they're both technically now producers. 
uh, I want to thank Miss Colton for agreeing to be on the podcast. I wish her the best of luck on November 3rd.